from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Celebrating Powerhouse Women is proudly presented by CAB Incorporated and Capital City Home Loans. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women here on Business Radio X. I am your host, Amanda Pierch, and today I am joined by Sue Hong, partner of Belvins and Hong, personal injury and bankruptcy attorneys. She is also running for the District 103 State House seat. Good morning, Sue. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm glad that we were finally able to get together in studio. You've been on my hit list for a while now, so I'm thrilled that you're able to join us. Um, to kind of set this, the show up for all of our listeners that might not know you in person like me, tell them a little bit about um, the seat that you're running for and also about your partnership within your um, practice. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for having me. Um, I have actually um, listened to a few of the other ones, and um, I'm very humbled by the fact that I got invited to be here and talk about um, my, you know, my profession and um, me running for office as well. Um, so I'm running for state house. It's uh, District 103. It's in Lawrenceville, Swanee, Sugar Hill, Flowery Branch, and City of Buford. Um, and the election for primary is in May. General is in November, so working very hard with that. Um, but in addition, I have a full-time job, which is being a lawyer. Um, I'm a partner at Blevins & Hong. Um, I have been practicing law for 13 years and have been a partner there for 10 years. And um, I love being a lawyer. I love my job. So um, I, you know, when I decided to run for office as well, it, it was um, the right position because I'm able to continue to be uh, a lawyer and continue my business. So um, it's thank you for be, thank you for inviting me here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just excited to be my here. My pleasure. Mm -hmm. Well, let's set um, before we get into current present time. Let's kind of set the stage for all of our listeners out there. Um, Sue came to Georgia. What you said about over 13 years ago. Uh, for so I moved to Georgia from South Korea mm -hmm. when I was 10. So that was uh, 30 years ago. 30 so years I've ago. I've been in Georgia for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And in Georgia, um, you graduated from Georgia Tech. That's correct. Uh, the Institute of Georgia Tech or Georgia Tech University, excuse me. And then also you therein went to obtain your law degree where? At Mercer Law. Mercer Law. Yeah. So kind of take us through maybe coming to Georgia and what you did as a youngster to get to where you are today. Right. Um, again, so I came from South Korea. My family immigrated here when um, we were when I was ten years old. Um, they wanted to for me to have the opportunity to grow up in America, have the opportunities here. So um, we got here. I didn't even know the alphabet when I got here, so I had to actually learn the alphabet, learn English, and so I um, was in ESOL uh, classes during elementary school. And I had a lot of my classmates read me books during recess and a lot of community leaders and um, teachers that helped me to understand the culture and to learn the language. So I have great respect for people that do community service and that are community leaders because they're the ones that helped me um, to feel comfortable when I got here and so you know part of you know the community service and everything that I do is is me giving back to the community that gave me so much when I first got here so 
Um, and, you know, doing well in school has always been a big thing in my family. And um, I loved school. I was um, definitely a nerd. And so um, that worked out and, you know, eventually learned English. Uh, graduated top of my high school, went to Georgia Tech on a scholarship and eventually went to Mercer Law. So um, again, I mean, I, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities um, and I'm very grateful for my parents um, having sacrificed so much by coming here mm-hmm. and, and giving me that opportunity. Are you an only child? No, actually, I have an older brother. Um, he left for college. He left Georgia for college and never came back. Um, but he he lives up in D.C. and um, he does graphic design work. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And are your parents still with us? Yes. And are um, they in Georgia? Yeah, they're nice. here and they're in Gwinnett County. Perfect. And when you came to Georgia, did you come straight to Gwinnett? Um, no, I actually, we came to Cobb County mm-hmm. um, because we had an uncle that lived there. So I grew up in Cobb County. And then we moved to Gwinnett County about 10 years ago. Very nice. Well, I know um, I'm new to Gwinnett, or I lived in Gwinnett for five years, and previous to that, I was on the south side of Atlanta. And one of the things that kind of stood out to me was how diverse this this county is. And I lived right here in the heart of Duluth, where I was exposed to so many different varieties of life that I had never really been that closely around. The cuisine, the the shops, etc. were just wonderful. So um, I know that there are a lot of things here in this community that you can probably um, find back in Korea even. Yeah. Um, so when I first got to Georgia, we hardly had, I mean, I was the only Asian um, kid in my elementary school. It was, and I, you know, we've found a lot of immigrants find community in their churches. So, you know, we, we found other Koreans in um, the Korean Catholic church that I attended. And so we pretty much knew all the Koreans that were living in Metro Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, by the time I was finishing high school, it was a whole different, and now it's a, a lot more. Um, Georgia has, and Gwinnett County especially, has the third largest Korean-American population in the United States now. And um, that's great for me because we get such good food here. Uh (laughs) Um, We have such good restaurants. Um, But in addition, yeah, just other cultures. Georgia has become um, such a melting pot of people and immigrants. And Mm -hmm. Gwinnett County is just... Um, full of that diversity. So I I love living in Gwinnett County. Me too. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of Gwinnett, you said a couple things and it it reminded me that you and I were um, at the same gala last year for the library, um, Jason DeFranco. And um, you were kind of given your paid homage on stage if I don't if I recall correctly. I'd like for you just to tell us a little bit about your participation with the Gwinnett County Library Foundation because I know you've made a great impact. And then also that kind of fed into um, what I will jump into thereafter. Yeah, um, so I've been on the board of the Gwinnett County Library Foundation for about two years now. Um, and we basically raise money to build new libraries and um, for all the programs that different libraries um, offer here in Gwinnett County. Libraries have changed so much since I used to go. Yes. But um, it's special to me and being on that board is very special to me because that's where I used to go to read books and learn English. Mm-hmm. And um, so now they offer those programs and they have ESOL programs, not only for students, but for 
um, parents as well and um, just it's advanced so much and so I'm very grateful to be on that board and to be helping and to expand um, all the different programs that we offer. Yes and I know that you are in the Duluth Rotary Club with uh, my good friend JT Wu and as you know he is the president and founder of the Preface Project. Yeah. Um, Just out of curiosity because you coming and learning English um, as a a foreigner to begin with that's something that is very important to him and through his program they kind of work one-on-one with children to help bridge that gap. Do you have any participation just out of curiosity? So um, I I recently met JT so um, I didn't know him too well during COVID but Another friend of mine, um, Jin Lee, actually has a a program that's kind of similar. It's called Catalyst Coalition. And so, um, and they essentially do the same. They have, um, you know, during, especially during COVID, we did Zooms with children after school and we would read them books. And they're uh, ESOL students. Uh Um, So a lot of them were kind of struggling during COVID and not having school in person. And so um, I helped them and um, we, we, I read books and it would be the same, you know, like rotation of Mm -hmm. three kids that I would read books to. And you can kind of tell whenever they get on and they recognize your face and they're like, what are we reading today? So, and that, that reminds me of myself. Um, You know, I was always excited that somebody was willing to take their time and read me books and teach me English. And Mm -hmm. they felt, I could feel that um, whenever I would see them. So yeah, I think JT's program with Preface and Jin's with Catalyst Coalition, Coalition. I mean, they're doing great great things. Yeah. And um, it's funny you say that because uh, my mother is also, at first, she's an immigrant herself. She's from Argentina, South America. So when she was, I think, 12, she immigrated on a visa. Wow. And then she became a citizen. And she, too, had to learn English. Her, her father owned a restaurant, and she worked in the restaurant. And through the service industry, she kind of learned the language. But I wonder if, and this is so many years ago, in, the, in like the 60s, before you and I were on this <laughs> earth, if something like that would have been um, available if it wouldn't have fast-tracked um, her ability to learn the language. Yeah. So I personally am thankful for, for people like yourself that invest in, um, you know, teaching people like yeah. that. Okay, on from that subject, mm-hmm. talking about um, what you do as far as with your practice, I'm very curious because you're a partner and you said it's uh, you've been in uh, the community for 10 years now. You serve Marietta and Gwinnett. Tell us a little bit about what it was like forming that partnership with what is Mr. Belvin's first name? Richard. Richard. <laughs> with Richard yeah. and kind of uh, getting getting your boots on the ground here in the community as a personal injury and bankruptcy attorney. Yeah. Um, so right when I graduated law school, it was 2008 during the recession. Oh, wow. And so um, all, all of us really struggled um, to find a job. But I worked for a law firm downtown for a year. And but I've always wanted to work for a smaller firm. And I've always wanted to work with people. So um, I came to now what's called Blevins and Hong. Um, it was called something else at that time as an associate and during the two years that I was there um, we had one partner leave because he was appointed as as a judge you know just like different kind of movements and so I was asked after two years to become partner and take over the firm so it was very uh, an amazing opportunity and just you know I worked hard um, but it was also a very good timing as well 
And um, that way I got to learn not only practicing law, but the business side of running a practice, which I also very much love. Um, and so, you know, and we've, we've worked together since then um, for 10 years now, but I, I enjoy the practice because I get to meet different people every day. Um, I always tell people I'm the type of lawyer that you don't want to come see because you're you're struggling with something if you're going to come see me. However, um, the fact that I'm able to meet them, see them, and be able to um, solve their issues and problems and have their have a smile on their face at, at the end, um, that's what's most fulfilling for me and just being an advocate for people. It's funny you said it like that because you know, there's so many, no offense, but there's so many personal injury attorneys. I mean, you see 20 billboards riding down 85. Um, But it's funny that you said it in such a poised fashion that you don't want to come and see me because it has to deal with personal injury or bankruptcy. Um, Through your 10 years within the practice, volume wise, what would you say on average, how many people would you say you see or cases that you take on on an annual basis? Um, it it changes. Um, I I don't even know a number, Hundreds? but uh, probably wow. yeah. So in a lot of cases, maybe pending for a few years. So, but I I mean I meet with new people on a regular on a daily basis every week. So sure. yeah, and or and or talk to now since COVID more so talking to them on the phone yeah or Zoom versus um, meeting them in person. But yeah, it's um. I probably meet a new person every every day. What is your primary source of, and this is just because I'm a curious marketer, how do you market your practice? Because um, I, I haven't seen your billboards, which I'm not saying that that's a necessity, <laughs> but do you guys do um, anything strategically to market or does it just your, your Google ranking kind of brings people in? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And a lot of um, attorneys that are starting their own law firms actually ask that question a lot. Um, and I always say, it, you really have to find what you're good at. Um, so for example, when I started practicing and having to bring in cases, I tried different things. You know, obviously you've got websites and you've got, um, you know, different things that you can do, like write blogs or what, whatever that may be. Um, for me, what I found and what fits my personality is networking. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to, I probably went to an event every night um, or during lunch or a breakfast meeting of different, ty- you know, lawyers that practice in different areas um, or just different community um, meetings um, to meet them. And so now I would say my number one source of referrals are other lawyers nice. um, that practice in other areas. And so we refer each other cases. Um, and then also my second, I would say, would be my former clients. Yeah. Um, they'll say, hey, she, she did a really good job. Call her. So that would be my second referral. But you know, I used to drag my lawyer friends to these networking events and they hated it because they just were not, their personality just did not fit. Um, they couldn't walk into a room and just like start talking to mm-hmm. people. Whereas that's something that I felt more comfortable Actually, with. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they found other ways to market their law firm 
And um, but yeah, I found that networking and, and I still do it. Uh-huh. So I, I still know. go I to see you at events. I know <laughs> I see you at events. So I know <laughs> I would agree the power of networking and just that personal, you know, person to person factor mm-hmm. is a uh, very, very important and relevant and it's kind of like network marketing per se because like you said you get to know people within the crowd they then you're top of mind and then they are your they refer you when they hear of someone that is in need of your services outside of um, the Rotary Club and outside of um, some community networking events and things like that what would you say would be a valuable place to spend your time if you're looking to connect with prospects um that's kind of tough because of the type of practice that I do. Um, it's a more of a need basis, you know, if you're going, if you're struggling through certain things, um, you know, again, it's, it's a, I do better with different attorneys. So for example, with bankruptcy clients, a lot of people that are going through divorces are looking at bankruptcy oh, wow. because they're just now they're having one one income versus two or you know splitting things or now they're you know left with more debts to pay after the divorce mm-hmm. and so a lot of divorce attorneys will refer me those cases um, personal injury is a lot of you know medical professionals um, where they may have you know cl- patients that come in and they're like hey do you have an attorney that mm-hmm. that you um, feel comfortable recommend. or recommend or um, so they they'll go ahead and refer to us so yeah again it, it, it does end up coming down to networking and right. knowing those people and knowing the right people that you know are going to refer you the clients that that meet your practice makes sense the power of referral the reason I asked is there are several uh, organizations geared towards specific verticals like the commercial real estate women of Atlanta you know it's called like crew or something like that mm-hmm. and you can network with people that are in your industry for that same reason for referral etc I kind of want to take a turn and ask you a few things about personal development and maybe some challenges that you might encounter um, as a a partner within in a firm so throughout your tenure literally 10 years <laughs> with the firm and uh, through uh, a personal development maybe self-awareness what are some things that you would say were really um, important to you in order to remain successful in your industry um, being respectful um, that's you know I think that's in general in the practice of law Um, Being respectful, even though you may be on opposing sides, being respectful to your clients, being respectful, respectful to the opposing party, Um, because judges and other people that are involved in those cases will always remember you if you are being respectful and they will also remember you if they weren't being respectful (laughs) and um, certainly I I know that that's you know a big thing for me and um, what people remember I again I love my my profession and being a lawyer and so to me having the respect of mentors in the legal field is important and kind of making sure that I also become that type of mentor to the younger generation is important to me. So respect is a big thing. Um, you know, I in the beginning of my law career, I actually had a, um, a female bankruptcy judge who 
She was very scary. <laughs> she was very scary. Um, she had been on the bench for a long time, and I'm just, I'm just starting to practice law. And I remember um, in bankruptcy um, law, we have to submit orders for judges to sign. Mm -hmm. And she would print it out. We would submit them online. And she would print it out. She would take a red pen, like as if we're in school, right. and mark it up and mail it to me to fix and submit that. Oh my. And at first, like the first letter that I got, I was like, oh my gosh, like I must be the worst lawyer, like for her to pick mine out. Um, and then she continued to do it and I mentioned it to an older attorney and he said, that means that she really sees a potential in you and she wants you to do well. Wow. And that's why she's taking the time to do that for you. And that's when I it clicked. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, even though she wasn't, you know, we we never talked. We never talked mm -hmm. about it. Um, but for her to, and I, I realized that she does that with every, um, she'll pick like, you know, few younger lawyers that she felt like, you know, she's, I feel like she's going to do well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she, she used to do that. She's retired now, but um, yeah. <laughs> so like through the constructive criticism vein, she mm -hmm. was able to support you. I do find that funny that, that you said that because I've known people in my life that operate similarly, that kind of give it to you really like raw and, and hardcore, but it's all from a place of love and they want you to succeed. Right. And I can vividly see red marks on pages when I was a <laughs> youngster. And when you receive that, you're like, Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Speaking of mentorship, you you just mentioned that judge that was kind of a mentor to you. Uh, you also mentioned that you mentor others. What type of mentoring do you do? Yeah, um, they come in different ways because of my profession, because of my involvement with the community, um, and because from running for office, I have recently... Um, have have had a lot of high school students, um, high school female students reach out and just want to learn more about my story and want to learn about how I got to where I am so far um, because they either want to be a lawyer or they want to be involved in the community or they want to run for office one day. And they feel, and I, I think this is why part of the reason why it's important for females to be involved in politics as well um, and being a leader in the community is those students feel more comfortable reaching out to me because they can connect yes. with me better and um, they feel comfortable talking to me about you know different questions that they have about their future this week, actually, I had a female student from North Gwinnett High School who's interested in becoming a lawyer. Um, I had about a 30-minute call because she was like, hey, do you mind if I call you and, and ask you some questions? Um, now, this this young lady is, uh, I mean, she is looking like 30 years ahead and she's worried about everything, uh -huh. you know? And I remember I was like that when I was in high school. I was like, oh my God, where, where am I going to be? Future. What should I study? You know, and you get to where, you know, we are in our age and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have stressed out that much. And so I kind of kept telling her that, but, um, but yeah, for me to be able to uh, be available and answer those questions and for them to look up and say that's where I want to be 
um, that means the world to me. Mm-hmm. So, and especially if it's from somebody that's random, mm-hmm. you know, in the community that just happened to see my story or happened to hear my story, like on shows like this, uh-huh. or um, see me in the Korean media, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Um, I remember a lot of the Korean female high school students as well, they reached out to me because they see me and the, they see themselves and they're, they're, they may have immigrated here just as I did mm-hmm. and they just want to learn my path and you know, be able to um, ask those questions. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm able to do that. Well, it sounds like you're making a great impact, uh, especially on a personal level um, to the not only youth, but just the people in our community. I can see that, too, where people might find you more approachable than, you know, someone that's seasoned or or not that you're not seasoned, but somebody, you know, they can empathize with you. They can relate, shall I say. Um, When we come back from our break, Sue, I'm going to jump right into where we kind of left off about your spark and your fire and how you kind of uh, got caught the buzz to be a lawyer and also run for office. But right now, here's a word from the people that support our series. Since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail, with their precision machined iron and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB Incorporated is proud to be a returning partner of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women Series. With strong roots in the past and firm footing in the future, Capital City Home Loans combines an old-fashioned sense of community with a progressive attitude. They are a trusted full-service lender, offering mortgage finance products and empowering their associates to help clients choose the best options. They are focused on being the best and strongest lender in the Southeast. Visit cchl.com locations to see all of their offices, including Gwinnett. All right, welcome back to Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. I am your host, Amanda Peerch, and today I am joined by Sue Hong, who is a community leader. She is also a partner at Belvins and Hong, a personal injury and bankruptcy attorney. And in addition, she is running for the seat of um, State House in District 103. Uh, Before the break, we were kind of talking about her enthusiasm for the law and also for our community and running for her State House seat. Uh, Sue, my question to you now is, where did the inspiration uh, first to become a lawyer and then we'll talk about office come from? You know, some people don't know instantaneously what their passion is, but it seems like you kind of got a pretty uh, strong foothold pretty quickly. And I'd like to understand a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I actually took um, two years off from col- between college and law school because I, I wanted to make sure law school is a big commitment and so I wanted to make sure but it's been instilled in me since I was young um, by my dad Um, we've always talked about law we've always talked about current affairs we talked about government um, all of those things so I think in the back of my head there was always that interest Um, but I wanted to be sure and so I took two years off and worked at different law firms and had different jobs. Um, but you know, my main thing is being an advocate for people. Um, that's what excites me even now after having practices for 13 years is, is being able to go into court and advocate for my client's position 
that is what excites me. Um, that is what is, you know, that's a passion of mine. And that same passion is the reason why I decided to run for office as well. And that's the reason why I'm so involved in the community because, you know, if you, I strongly believe that if you are doing well for yourself, then you need to give that much more back to the community. And so, um, you know, I'm very grateful that I've been able to, you know, have a good law practice and have a good education. And I want to make sure that everybody has that opportunity. And if they can't, then for somebody like myself to be an advocate for them. Makes total sense. And and thank you. You checked both boxes, not only law, but also uh, your passion for running uh, for office. Let's kind of uh, take a little personal turn here, if you don't mind. Uh, did I see you at the Duluth Library ribbon cutting the other day? I say the other day, it was like a couple months ago. Months ago, yes. yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> um, and then also JT had his kickoff campaign there not too long ago. So I was there and I thought of you. Okay. Do you remember the Dewey Decimal System? Yes. Back in the day. Oh my God. Do they still have those in libraries, Sue? Because it's like all digital oh, now. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they so, don't. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking about, uh, you know, having such great memories in libraries and stuff like that. I was like, the internet was just now coming out. Like the four inch floppy disks That's were right. around when I was in school. And when you had to do book reports, you had to go to the library. You had to find it within, you know, that ancient database <laughs> that gave you that, what, like 15 digit number with dots in between. That's right. You had to cite your your works, etc. Right. Man, the kids these days have so it easy. pretty easy. <laughs> you can just ask your phone like hey Google or whatever right. and it's right there for you yeah but speaking about um, just the rich history you know within the library system um, tell us a little bit about maybe childhood or a memory a fond memory that you have within the library system just because I'm I'm poking around in the personal realm yeah um, so I always tell this story and why I was um, so thankful for the opportunity opportunities that I was given so when I first moved here um, I went to an elementary school that was um, not the best in the area. Um, there were a lot of, um, you know, children with families that were not doing very well. Um, just happened to be the area that we were living in. And um, there was a retired uh, professor um, that lived down the street, and she came to our school and, and asked to help out anybody that she can. Because uh, she's retired and she just she was always being been a teacher and she wanted to teach and so I was assigned to her and so one of the things that we did was she would pick me up from school after school every day and she would drive me to the library and we would sit there and read books and um, if they had different programs um, at the library that's what you know we would listen and we would hear you know people read books and so I spent every single day after school at the library, at the library. Yeah. and so um everything that i did kind of growing up um during elementary school pretty much kind of surround was surrounded by um being there and also that sparked you know my passion for reading and um you know learning about everything i can mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. you know they offer so many different um I don't want to say, I don't know if they're programs, but for lack of better words, at the library now, like to even reference that Duluth library again, they have a 3D printer there. I was just going to mention that. If you want yeah. to learn how to, um, I've been spoiled my whole life. If I needed anything done, like 
seamstress or sewing. God bless my mother. She always did it for me. <laughs> um, but as a result, now as a 35-year-old, uh, if I need a zipper or something sewn on a dress, I'm like, well, they offer a little class there, like right. an introduction to, you know, sewing or whatever, which I should probably take advantage of. Me too. What are some <laughs> other programs that they offer since you're more um, knowledgeable about the offerings? Yeah, they have um, cooking classes, like kitchen classes for parents. Um, they have so many computers. So anybody that does not have access to computers, they can do. Um, they have different programs for adults as well. Um, because, you know, if you just think about the library, it's just for children, but it's not. Um, they offer, again, what I mentioned, ESOL classes for parents and adults as well. Um, and yeah, like they, uh, there was something, there's a beehive. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, a uh -huh. beehive. Yep. An apiary. Is, right. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, like gardening. They, I mean, they. it's like everything you can think of, mm -hmm. they have a program for it. That's wild. Yeah. Okay, kind of going along the, the personal vein. Uh, as far as what Sue does to remain sane and healthy and vibrant and able to give your very best to not only your clients in the community, what are some things that you enjoy doing uh, on a personal level? Um, I work out so that I can keep sane. Um, I recently have been doing CrossFit, so that's you know something that I'm doing now. But um, kind of being active and um, you know, working out has always been a part of my life. So that's what keeps me sane. Um, you know, I, before COVID, I would always travel. I have a group of uh, girlfriends that we would travel at least once a year, um, do like an international trip. Nice. So we would always travel um, and just hang, you know, just hanging out with friends, like mm -hmm. making time for people in your life that are important. I mean, I, my days are, are very <laughs> busy mm -hmm. um, and it's work and campaign and community stuff and this and that but I always make sure that I make time for my parents mm -hmm. and my family um, my family and my friends um, because they are important and that you know they keep me sane as well Absolutely. so yeah well I can empathize with that I find great relief and fortitude and exercise as well and that's kind of what keeps me level-headed and it is very important with a schedule and responsibility to all the things that you have to kind of carve out or basically maybe block or allocate the time because I live by my calendar so if I don't budget the time then likely it's not going to occur so um, and I always find time to sleep as well so <laughs> good for you would you say you get about six to eight hours on average or more like four to six no I make sure that I try to get like six to eight not good every night but yeah. um, if I don't have anything going on or if I'm home early I'm I'm in bed at like 8.30. <laughs> I have a hard time falling asleep. So I'll listen to podcasts or I'll try and read. And ultimately, when I start reading a book, like three pages in, I'm like, <laughs> like that. Um, but speaking of podcasts and speaking of reading, um, do you enjoy, obviously you enjoy reading because of your, your library affiliation. What is a book that you've recently read or that you're kind of in right now or maybe an audio book that um, you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I... I recommend this book to everybody, and it's it's a con I mean it's a popular book. It's Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, and if you haven't read I it, haven't. it, read I it. I love him though, and and not just read it, but listen to it on Audible. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. It's just his life journey, but just um, you know thinking about different things and different perspective. It's it's really good. Um, I am 
I like Ryan Holiday books. Um, Courage is Calling. That's something that I'm reading currently. And um, I just get a lot of, I like books that make me think and, um, you know, that's going to improve me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Ryan Holiday is, is a more kind of a motivational type of um, author, and he, he does a lot of books like that. So um, I, I'm currently reading that and enjoying right. that as well. Yeah. Well, I've read neither, so I will have to check out, especially Green Lights, because I saw, I think it was an exception uh, speech that Matthew McConaughey made eons ago. I think it was like at a, what is that? They have like gold, the Golden Globes. Oh. <laughs> um, but the way that he just delivered the message and it was not boastful at all it was so humble and he talked about like if he could be anyone in the world he would be himself in 30 years or 30 years ago you're nodding your head so I know you know what I'm talking about but right then that's kind of when the light switched for me that he wasn't only the guy like all right all right all right (laughs) you know that he there was more depth and that actually that he was uh, a great influencer or inspiration. So yeah. I'll check that out. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, his story is wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it. Um, where do you listen to your podcasts or your audiobooks? I listen on iTunes. Uh, I have uh, I have Audible. Audible? Yeah. And Very then, nice. Yeah. Well, really quickly before, as we round the end of our show, Sue, I wanted to ask you a couple questions because you are such a, a profound participant in the community. And as you said, people um, seek you out for knowledge and um, kind of mentorship. What would you say in Sue's definition makes a great leader? Um, good question. Um, I think it's always about um, putting other people first. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes, oftentimes, when people think about leaders, you're focused on that one person. But I think being a leader means that you're up there because you care about the people that you want to lead and you care about the people's well being. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's important to put the focus as a leader on others and making sure that you're, you're doing the work for other people. Um, you know, that's, I, I think obviously that goes towards, you know, ha- being respectful and being humble and, um, but putting service uh, of others before yourself is definitely one of the um, most important things of, of, about of being a leader and being a leader in the community as well. And I think when you do that, people see that you are there for the right reasons. And I think that's when you know others want to learn more about how you got to where you are um, and then kind of share, being able to share that story and encouraging them is taking care of others as well. I like it. Now, you just said service before self, and that sounds a little bit familiar. Does your rotary also recite, what is it called, at the end? Like yes, mine does? I didn't even, isn't that in? Yeah, I didn't even think it. Like, I, it, yeah, I said yeah. it, but I say it every it week. Is, so. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Service before self. I like that. And also, um, a dear friend, I mention him on the podcast all the time, Randy Brunson, is not paying me for this plug. But he always <laughs> says to be generous with your time, treasures, and talents. And yeah. that really resonates with me. And you are a pillar of those things. So I want to ask you really quickly um, if anybody wanted to learn more about your campaign or if anybody wanted to find um, your practice, how could they do so? Yeah, um, it's GwinnettCountyLaw.com, um, or you can always Google my name. It's all on there. It's S O O 
H-O-N-G. That's correct. S-O-O-H-O-N-G. Um, and my campaign site is Hong, H-O-N-G, for Georgia.com. Um, I'm on Facebook um, as well, so you can look me up on there. Um, or just anybody that's in Rotary Duluth or any of the organizations that I've mentioned, uh-huh. um, ask them for my contact and I'd be happy to talk to anyone. And you might catch her floating around the marketplace like I do. That's right. <laughs> Sue, before we say adios, I would like to ask you if there are any parting thoughts or final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with our listeners. Yeah, um, especially because this is um, powerhouse women. Um, I just want to encourage the younger generation of females to be more um, assertive in their communities and and um, and focus on community work and leadership um, I think you know I had very great female mentors that allowed me to see that I you know just because of because I'm female or just because I'm an immigrant etc um, that never held me back and I just want to make sure that um, those younger generations, they they know that there's always a room for people to be involved. And, um, and again, if they ever have questions about that, I'd be happy to talk to them. Um, but also, thank you for having me. I mean, again, I've seen the people that have been on the show, and they're such great leaders in our community, and very humble to be part of that so and I know Amanda you've been you've been um, asking me to be on the show for a while and I'm so I'm so glad that we were able to finally get it done me too you've been a powerhouse in my eyes for a while now Sue (laughs) thank you and I would be remiss if I did not thank the people that make this um, series possible and those are two great powerhouse ladies that have been enthusiastic supporters of this series and that's Terry Jondal with CAB Incorporated and also Tammy Shoemate with Capital City Home Loans And on that note, Sue, I want to thank you again for joining us today. For all of our listeners out there, if you find value in this content, please subscribe so that you don't miss a beat. I want to say thank you to our producer, Connor, for uh, running the board for us today. And also, you can find these episodes 24-7 on businessradiox.com or find them on your favorite podcasting application. You guys stay connected with us on social media and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Amanda Pierch, P-E-A-R-C-H. And until next time, this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. Mm -hmm.